If you feel like you're running around in circles in your life, sometimes experiencing success, sometimes experiencing joy and fulfillment in your relationships, but it always comes back to a certain set point and you really just feel like you're doing a 360 over and over again, this episode is for you. Today I'm interviewing my dear friend and a veteran coach in the coaching world of 20 years, Alejandra Crisafuli, also known as The Baller Coach. And after listening to this interview, you'll understand why. She'll help you to transform your life through the power of what she calls the 180 method. So let's dive in. Hey friends, welcome to the Align the Good Life podcast. I'm Brooke Hemingway, and around here, we like to talk about the things that matter, like how to create soul-fulfilling success by aligning your life and taking powerful, intentional action so that you get to experience the best of what life has to offer. From business, to health, to letting go of limits, to raising babies while building dreams, to relationships, and real talk. We have it all here on Align the Good Life. So let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast today. I'm really excited to have this beautiful woman on my podcast. She's been such a light in my life and such a blessing. And our meeting was perfectly appointed almost two years ago, Alejandra. I think the time has flown by since we first met, but I remember my first interaction with you was over a Zoom in a group setting and you were sharing what you did. And you said, you know what? I help people heal, not deal. And I was like, boom. That's it because I felt, yes. I mean, if I could sum you up in like one phrase, heal, don't deal, that would be Alejandra because I feel like for years and years, I had just been getting through high performer, perfectionist, shove it down, keep going, dealing with a lot of things and also doing a lot of different coaching and thought work and all the things and still coming back to the same place. And so this beautiful woman has helped me in a lot of ways in my life. And I know she's going to be a blessing to you. Just a little bit about Alejandra. She is a master certified life coach, and she has been a coach for over 20 years before coaching was even a popular thing. Like nowadays it's like, not to be mean or anything, but everybody's a coach, Everybody, right? Yeah. yeah. Like and, and so she's been coaching for over 20 years. She's known as the baller coach, which I love. And I keep thinking to myself, when is this woman going to have a book? I mean, no pressure. <laughs> this year, 2023. <laughs> 2023, a book, a podcast. I'm like, where's the expansion of Alejandra? The whole world needs you. So I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Welcome, my friend. Likewise. Thank you so much. And the feeling is mutual. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's true. I was literally getting ready this morning and I was like, I want to read a book that she writes because your method and the way that you teach and the way that you coach is so different. I mean, there are elements that are similar to a lot of coaching, but there's just something about it that immediately drew me to you. And it was just magnetic. And ever since then, we've worked together as me being your client, you speaking on some stages, us collaborating on some projects and many more things to come, I know. But how about we just kind of dive into your story and how you came up with this way of coaching? Mm, Okay. 
So I think one of the biggest reasons why it is so different or magnetic is because it's meant to reject traditional self-help models. Because I found that whereas some self-help models work, they can only work to a certain degree or they don't work long term. And really getting to that reason of why, like what is it about the traditional self-help that doesn't allow for that? But my whole journey in, in coming to this method, being that I started so long ago, <laughs> yeah. it's evolved many times to get over the last 20 years to get to this point of, of really having it be what it is today. So I started off as a business coach, actually. Mm-hmm. And what I started noticing, and in my personal life, I was struggling. I was a single mother. I was struggling financially. I was struggling within valuing myself. And even though I was business coaching, it was this constant effort to find clients and to work with them and to still be a mom and to still have a life and possibly like date. It was really kind of challenging. So it was kind of synonymous, this like where I was business coaching and I was experiencing these personal things in my own life that I started recognizing, you know what? (laughs) It's not so much that people don't have the right systems or structures in place or that I didn't necessarily have like the right financial plan or things in place. It was that it was me getting in the way. And just like I was noticing these clients, it was them getting in the way. And a lot of it came down to communication and the way that they were leading themselves and their team. Because I think that's a big part that we miss too, is the whole leadership we think of others, but it's also leading ourselves first. Mm. first. Mm -hmm. And so it took me down this path of like, okay, I saw this pattern. I saw this need in myself and in my clients. So what's the answer? So I went down the traditional path because again, coaching was not the thing back then. Got into therapy and, you know, it worked for some degree, like I was talking about things, I was expressing things, but it really wasn't causing change. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, And then came the conversation of like, let's get you on some medication. And that was just like, okay, I'm 24. (laughs) I don't want to like, really, is that what I'm going to have to do? And it was, that's why I stayed away from a lot of that because I, I didn't want to go down that route struggling as well around that age, just like you did is like, there was something inside of me that was like, that's not the way for me. And I'm not saying that's it's never needed or never the way, please don't hear that if you're listening to this podcast, but you honored that voice and that feeling that you had inside, just like I did at that age. Yeah. Like it's so important to be able to do that and not just listen, but honor, like you're saying. And for me, that's what it felt like. There was this, like this knowing an internal knowing that there was something else. And it was a full God moment really, which at the time I didn't know God. Now I know that it was a God moment because it really led me to seeking and what was there out there and and what could be different. And so I started just taking a lot of education and, and devouring the knowledge that was out there. 
And I finally met a woman who was a life coach and she was teaching a class called Life Works. And I thought it was such a fascinating topic. And she started Mm -hmm. talking about how you are your business. So if you're not working, then your business isn't going to be working. And I was like, yes, that's exactly (laughs) what I'm talking about. That's right. Yeah. Started talking and I was sharing with her my journey and, and she invited me to become a life coach in this company that she was working with. And I'm like, what's that? Yeah. Nobody (laughs) knew what that was 20 years ago. Yeah. So I did end up joining that team and getting trained as a life coach. And it really set the foundation for what the 180 method is today, but it was bits and pieces. Like it was missing the bigger picture of healing, not just dealing. So again, through these 20 years, and I don't know how many clients I've worked with at this point, thousands, I lost count about 10 years ago, (laughs) I had to do an exercise where I had to actually count how many people up up until that. And so it was at 1400 at that point. And so that was 10 years ago. So I've just been able to fine tune and cultivate this method. And I, you know, this it's called the 180 method because it's truly meant to reverse the direction and the impact in which you've always been living your life and are finding yourself stuck in like 360 cycles. It is literally the directional shift that allows you to step into the the juice of life that God has intended us to have and and experience. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of listeners here experience a lot of frustration they, yeah. Maybe they've invested a lot of money, a lot of time in coaching, or they've read a lot of books, listened to a lot of podcasts. They're trying to do affirmations. And I'm not anti-affirmation, you guys. I, I think affirmations can be really powerful. I have one on my wall back in Utah that says, I have seen the goodness of God. That's not necessarily an affirmation, but it's like this powerful statement, this reminder. But There was something that was missing, I know for me, and something that would ultimately end me right back up where I had started. And it was so frustrating and also demoralizing, honestly, really demoralizing because I felt like I was trying so hard. Like I was trying so hard to understand myself, to fix myself. I was trying so hard to be good, to do it right. And I didn't want to have the same struggles. And it's not like you, Alejandro knows me. It's not like I don't have these struggles anymore. I have a different understanding of myself, where they come from. And I wasn't finding personally for me that some of the more traditional types of thought coaching, life coaching, things like that, they weren't necessarily getting to the root. And I am someone that loves to get to the root of things like where is this coming from? I hate to say why, but you know, why does this keep coming up over and over again? And if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, that's me. I feel like I'm banging my head against a wall and I do really (laughs) good for six months and I'm killing it in my business. And then I come right back to everything falling apart, everyone leaving me, income going down. I don't believe in myself. I suck. And it's like this six month cycle of crap and you're tired of it, it's because you're managing yourself. You're not actually changing. You're just managing. So true. Like, well said. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. 
So you've seen this like over and over and over with people. So let's go a little bit deeper, maybe into the 180. And I think even just explaining this concept that I know pretty well from working together with you about how we create our circumstances and where we create our circumstances from, because I think a lot of times people start at the circumstance. And they're just starting at the circumstance and then trying to manage their thoughts and their feelings so they have a different action. But what you taught me a couple of years ago is that I am the creator of my circumstances. Yep. And there's a place that I create my circumstances from. Yep. (laughs) So let's dive in there. Okay. So it's actually the first pillar of the 180 method and one of the most powerful because if you know how you're creating your circumstances, then you can create differently. And not necessarily like you're saying that you're not creating challenging circumstances in life. That's that's not what we're, we're not promised carefree life. Nothing's ever going to go wrong. I'm pretty sure I create lots of challenging circumstances yeah. in my life. <laughs> Me too. But the difference is that you do know where they're coming from and it creates this like, you hear me use this word a lot, neutral, like there's this neutrality to it, even though there's emotions that come through it, there's still this like, okay, like I got this, I know what to do, I know how to do this, I know where it's coming from, and I know how to move forward from it and shift it in the right timing kind of thing. So coming back to this first pillar, it's called the golden key. And it's so fascinating because when I ask clients, do they believe that they create their circumstances? Most of the time I hear yes. And that comes from more of that traditional self-help model again, where we're taught like you can't do anything about the circumstances that happen, but you can do something about how you react to the circumstances, right? Like you've yeah, talked about what you think lot. about it, what, how you interpret it, all that yeah, stuff. Exactly. So it's like, yes, I, I do, but I don't necessarily have control of everything that happens, but I have control of how I handle things or how I react to things. And where that is true that reaction still comes from somewhere and how you can't just like, oh, okay, I know this is happening. Let me react differently. Like you have to be able to know where your reactions are going to come from so that you're not having to constantly manage your reactions, especially when you're in a point that you're triggered. And there's the whole other part of like, yes, you do create. So it's this create an impact. So I'll share what the golden key is. It's the way in which you relate to yourself directly creates and impacts all of your circumstances and relationships. Mm -hmm. And so that whole part around relate to self is really what the key is. And that has to do with your relationship with yourself. And then that's truly like where the healing happens is in this relationship with yourself. When you understand the way that you relate to yourself or your relationship with self, which, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, starts happening between the ages of four and six, the way that you see yourself, view yourself, think about yourself, relate to yourself. It happens when you're quite young. Maybe it happens a little bit later than that. Basically your formative years, right? Different, Different experiences that happen. Not that anyone meant to make you feel a certain way, but you heard something, something happened 
you interpreted it in your brain to mean something about yourself. And from there, you go through your adult life, your teenage years, your married years, your relationships, creating circumstances from this place that you relate to yourself. So for example, I'll use my example is through working with Alejandra, I realized that one of the things that was a huge trigger to me was if I ever felt bad, because my way that I would relate to myself is I'm a bad person. I'm a bad mom. I'm a bad wife. I'm a bad leader. I'm bad. And so anytime I would feel that way, like something would happen that would trigger me, it was typically because I was relating to myself in the way of I am bad. And so I would react in a certain way. And the way that I would react is let me overcompensate. Let me be really good. Let me be overly generous. Let me give this person more space in my life than I should. Let me be overly compassionate. Like I got to make sure I got to be like the best mom. I got to be the best wife. I got to do what my husband wants or my kids want or whatever it is. And so I would create these circumstances then where I would over like over show that I was good. And then that of course had its own series of consequences where, Hey, you can't keep that up forever or you resent, or you just, you get burnt out. Right. I almost got burnt out four years ago. And all of that came from this place of me relating to myself in a way that was me believing that I was bad. Yeah. So I created a lot of circumstances around that, from that place. And going, will you share going back to like that it's three to five where that age range is that we like form that relationship with ourselves from three to five is that key core age range. So what happened that led to the I'm bad? I don't even totally remember, honestly, what happened. I do. You do? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. She's quite a memory. It's so funny. I'm like terrible with names, but I will remember things from clients. I mean, I remember clients' names, but like you tell me your name if we are out and about and I'm like, oh gosh, what was your name again? I'm so sorry. But I will remember details of people's lives, especially when we're like coaching together. But it was actually something with, and hopefully we can go here. Oh, totally. I'm such an open book. (laughs) Everybody that's listening to this podcast You'll know everything by the time you've listened to probably a hundred episodes, everything about me. It was with your dad and the whole situation that you had in childhood with him and then how mom responded to what dad did and how you then interpreted what was going on in their marriage and in that dynamic that like you took it on as you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think a lot of people do that, right? When there's Victor struggle at home, it's like, you want to be so perfect. You don't want to be bad. You don't want to make things worse. You don't want to make things hard. You just want everybody to love each other. Yeah. And if it's not, if you're not perfect and there's not this feeling of love, you must be bad or you must be doing something wrong. Right. Which can kind of go along with like, I'm bad. I know we've also picked this apart a little bit. That could also be, I'm wrong. Yes. I'm wrong. I'm bad. And so, yeah, definitely that's where a lot of it came from for me. For everybody listening, how would you say other people could go about figuring out how they relate to themselves? Mm -hmm. What that deepest sort of 
belief that they're like kind of anchored to inside that they just like, they may not even realize like, why do I keep having bad relationships? Why do I keep having the same problem in my business? Why do I keep having $0 in my bank account? Like, why do I have no willpower? How can they start to understand and figure out where that's coming from? Like what it is? Yeah, it's it's a little challenging to do on your own, but I will give an, an exercise for that, which is to look at what are some past circumstances that may have happened? So memories that you might have of your childhood. And we all have significant like memories that we can think of. And if not, because I hear this often too, of like, I don't remember my past. I told you that. Yeah. Do you remember what you told me? Is it that you don't remember or that you can't remember or that you don't want to remember? Yes. Everybody listen to that again. Is it that you can't remember? or you don't want to remember. For me, it was, I didn't want to remember. Right. So we had to work a little bit through that one to get to that point of like, okay, yes, I do. But we all, even if you need to like, look at pictures, sometimes pictures can trigger memories of like, oh, I remember what I was doing during that time period, or right before we took this picture, right after that picture. So that's helpful if you're finding yourself like, I just can't remember. But first ask, do I want to remember? (laughs) And once you have that memory is to ask yourself the question, what did I make that mean about myself? So when you have that memory, you're looking at what did I make that mean about myself? And I find that oftentimes when we ask pretty deep questions, like that's a deep question. We just don't stay present to the question and just like maybe answer like, oh, it was this and then move on. Or you ask another question instead of answering the initial question that you just asked, because it's hard to sit there and actually think about it. So you'll want to jump into like a a protective mode, which are usually fear responses, fight, fear, freeze. So if you're a fleer, you'll be like, what did I make that mean? Well, I don't know. Okay, moving on. And you'll like, go do something (laughs) else. Or if you're a freezer, you'll be like, oh, what was that? I don't know. I don't know. All right, moving on. Give yourself the opportunity, like actually allow yourself to answer the question and don't be satisfied with just the first thing that comes up. I find this all the time too, is that we just like come up with one thing and then it's like, okay, done. We have to pull things through to get to the healing part of it versus just dealing. Because if you just leave it at that first response, It might not be the core issue. It's just going to be more of a superficial thing. So you You have to to go a little deeper. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, and, and just like with anything that has to do with healing or growth, it's never, I say it this way. It's never a one hit wonder. It's not like you ask yourself a question once, or you listen to this one podcast and everything in your life changes. (laughs) It is a journey of self-discovery and coming to understand yourself. And I feel like also just a lot of self-compassion. Oh, for sure. Um, And that's something that you taught me in coaching with you and going through your 180 method and, and studying it is like learning how to not discredit the way that I feel. And even having that reminder, like, Hey, what if you were to sit down right next to that 10 year old version of you on the steps? crying behind the wall because your parents were fighting and you just wanted everyone to love each other and they didn't. What did you need at that time? And to just be able to sit 
instead of being like, I hear this all the time when people are trying to heal and they're trying to grow. And it's like, well, I had really great parents. I mean, it was really hard for me, but, and they insert the, but, but my mom, she's so amazing. She did the best that she could. And it's like always adding the, but in there and never just stopping at, I felt this way. And I really wish I would have had this, or I really needed this. The but is not necessary. You don't have to add the but. And it doesn't mean you don't love your parents or love the people that maybe hurt you, whether it's friends or ex-partners or your partner or parents. Like, take the but out of it. Because when you put the but in there, it's like you're minimalizing. Minimalizing, disqualifying. And and really, you're doing to yourself what got done to the child, you, by not allowing yourself to have a voice to express to share it's almost like yeah it it discredits and it devalues how you're actually feeling which is exactly what happened as a child so you by doing the but you're doing to yourself what was always done to you right so just feel it yeah (laughs) exactly just feel it and experience it and it, it doesn't mean that you go on and you hate all these people and you blame them Because some people then get stuck in the blaming, right? They get stuck in the victim role of, well, this happened and that's why I am the way that I am. So maybe let's talk just a little bit about the roles that we take on. Yeah. So there's three roles, victim, villain, and hero. And these roles are taken on by that human ego part of us as a way to protect ourselves from being hurt, harmed, feeling bad, really just anything that has you feel not safe. These roles are taken on as a way to protect yourself from not feeling safe. And so that victim role is a role that we can find ourselves in quite often. Not that you are a victim, but you play the victim. We play the roles, you guys. You play the roles, not that you are the roles. Yes. (laughs) My main dominating role is villain. And it took me a while to really get, like, I hated that, that that was like, (laughs) Like, I don't want to be the villain. I don't want to be the villain. And the definition of a villain is an evil or wicked person who deliberately causes harm. (laughs) I was like, no, but it's the difference of you play the roles, not that you are the role. Yes. As a way to protect yourself. So like the victim tends to complain and blame things and not really take ownership of, it goes back to that golden key that you create your circumstances based upon your relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. Same goes for the villain. I was using that role to protect myself because if I ever felt like I was wrong, being seen as weak, being judged in any way, like stupid, because that goes back to my story and how I relate to myself from the past, then I would jump into like this villain role and play out being mean, essentially, and And wanting to have power. Exactly. It was all about like, let me take my power back because that's how I feel safe. Yeah. And the heroes the same way. The heroes are the people pleasers that can't say no, that want to take care of everyone else. But in the meantime, are building resentment, frustration, but it's all three are used to protect. 
Right, right. And there's different examples that we could give for those roles. Being a victim might be that you in small groups of people or with certain people you go back to and you always complain about the same things and you talk about how hard life is. Those like little relationships that are like the most unhealthy kind where it's really like you're in this fault. You have this false connection. Yes. I call it a false connection because it's not true connection. It's like you being the the victim and sharing your victim story and someone just letting you stay in victim mentality. So finding yourself in these conversations, situations, groups of people, like you can start to identify, oh my gosh, like I've been really playing a victim here or yeah. villain. Like you said, villain is like showing up with kind of this like false power. Yeah. I call it false power as well, because it's actually not real power. You're it's just playing this role. It's not that deep soul spirit power. It's this false illusion of power. And then the hero is like the person trying to be the savior, mm -hmm. trying to come in and save everyone and make everything okay. I was a really good hero for a long time <laughs> in my business for about yeah. four years. And I was uh, like, that's I what led not. to the burnout. <laughs> that's what led to the burnout. Yes. That was, and then I shifted into victim for a little while, for sure. Like, why is this happening to me? Why are people leaving? Why, why aren't people showing up? I've given so much Poor me, like that whole victim. So it's just really interesting. Like when you know these things and you understand yourself on a deep soul level, the thing about it is it creates that awareness and ownership. And once your eyes have been opened, they can't be closed. No. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And right. it's like, what do I do now? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Fascinating. I just, I love this work because it's so incredible to see people go through the transformation and the healing of it. Yeah. Um, what I was going to share too about those roles is it's like what you were saying, it's drama and conflict that has us really go into those roles, but it's not real drama or real conflict. Like when I look at real drama or conflict, I'll use the analogy of like, you're in the forest all alone and you're confronted with a big, angry, hungry bear who's like about to eat you. Now that's some conflict. Like that's yeah. real. <laughs> you are going to die. Probably. You are going to die. Maybe most likely if you are in that situation, likely. but we have these hypothetical conflicts in that it's all through what we perceive what's going on. And we're perceiving how we hear something or we're perceiving how people think of us. And that's what creates this drama and conflict and tells us we're not safe and we better find safety. So let me do all these things to like victim hero, like those examples you were giving so how does someone stop that in the moment when they realize like, I'm about to go down this victim path or I'm about to just like totally go into fight mode? I think a lot of times people realize, but they don't really, they don't really know what to do next or what kind of questions to ask themselves to kind of get out of that, what you call a hijack, right? Yeah. Maybe yeah. we talk for a second about a hijack yeah. and just kind of explain what that is. I, I think people listening are going to really understand this. and. When she describes this, I want you to automatically think of a time, the last time, maybe it was just yesterday. Maybe it was sometime earlier this week. Maybe it happened this morning. You're listening yeah. to this podcast, but I find that learning and understanding a concept, I have to go back and think about, okay, when was the last time that happened to me? And then also going into this week after you listen to this podcast, 
start to identify sometimes when you're hijacked. And so let's talk about the hijack and then like how we can kind of pull ourselves from this death spiral, so to speak. <laughs> okay. So the hijack is basically an intense emotional experience that you're going through. And the hijack is directly connected to a part of the brain that's called the amygdala. And the amygdala is the site of emotional memory, emotional learning, and it's an emotional memory bank. So essentially everything we've been talking about today, everything connects together. So those things that happen in your past, memories, right? Things that have happened that you gave a meaning to about yourself. There was a whole lot of emotion connected to that meaning and that experience that got stored in the amygdala part of the brain so that presently when you create and impact a circumstance in a relationship today that is similar to what happened in your past, your amygdala fires and tells you you're not safe. And then you try and find a place of safety. But the only way you've known how to do that so far is through being a role of the victim, villain, or hero. And so that hijack is almost like you're literally not yourself at that point, which is why it's called a hijack. Like you are so not yourself at that point. And I often ask people like, you know, when you're you're in a place where something's happened and you're like just reacting and you're responding or, and you're just like, you can't stop. Who am, like, who is this? Like, yes, yes. Like, yeah. Like, I don't even know why I'm so upset, but I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep, and I'm going to make you pay and I'm going to give it to you. And I mean, yeah. that's my, the villain part, right? Yeah. Victor right. Hero would look a little different, yes. but where you're just like, so exhausted, but yet you're going to go deliver food to someone's house and you're going to go buy someone something else. And you're just like, oh, yeah, you or your kids are like, oh, but you know, I have to make dinner and put them to bed and do all these things. And you're just like, but you keep doing it. And you're like, why am I doing this? But you keep doing it. So that's what a hijack, because you're literally not yourself at that point. And you're just operating out of pure adrenaline. And the intensity of that hijack can last <laughs> for 18 minutes is the intensity, but the adrenaline that's released from the amygdala into your bloodstream lasts for four to five hours. Yeah. And we get hijacked all the time. Right. Somebody cuts you off on the freeway. Somebody takes your parking spot. Somebody says something to you that you feel judged or like you did something wrong. Or you, you see something on social media, right? Yes. yes. You compare yourself to someone else and what they're doing. You have to have a conversation with someone that you're like afraid to have. Gosh, there's just so many examples. Your spouse isn't doing what you've asked them to do, even though you've told them a hundred times, or they don't understand you or don't get where you're coming from. That never <laughs> happens. What are you talking about? <laughs> what? He doesn't have a manual. What? Like he can't read my mind. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I fully, fully recognize now when I'm in hijack. And I think the thing that I've learned is that when I am hijacked is not the time to make conversations happen. It's not the time to make big decisions. Yeah. It's kind of the time to shut my mouth. Yeah. To jet because I think when people are hijacked, a lot of times they say things they don't mean. Yep. They do things they don't mean. 
and they make decisions that can sometimes be life altering decisions. And so that hijack lasts for about 18 minutes, but the adrenaline, like you said, can stay in the system for four to six hours. So when you are hijacked, what do you think are the healthiest steps for, for you to do? I call it the SOS. (laughs) And you were just talking about one of them, which was like, I literally have to shut my mouth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So SOS stands for stop, oxygenate, and then seek information. So the shut your mouth comes from a place of like, you literally have to stop what you're doing in that moment. Yeah. So if you're like mid sentence and you're like, okay, I'm hijacked right now. And I'm going to say something or do something that I really don't truly mean. It's just because I'm upset right now and I don't feel safe. That's at the core of what's going on. Just stop. (laughs) Oh, breathe. Like take in a breath. When we breathe, we're releasing another chemical. That's the antidote to adrenaline, which is oxytocin. And that oxytocin is that really just like, ah, kind of feeling. (laughs) So it's, it does help reduce the hijack when you're able to just breathe. And you really can't do that if you haven't stopped first. Right. You're like, you're breathing through, you're talking or you're like, you know how you like talk and take breaths back and you're like, (laughs) it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You have to stop first. Stop talking. (laughs) And then the seek information is, I think the hardest one, because oftentimes you don't know how to seek information, but essentially it's asking questions and it's asking questions of yourself. And also the other person or people involved, but most of the time, like just start to keep it easy with asking yourself questions. The question I love the most, what's going on for me right now? Yeah. Yeah. What's going on for me right now? And And it goes back to where we started earlier with don't just move right on to something else take the moment to answer the question, like actually sit and ponder it. What happens when you're asking a question is you go from the amygdala to the neocortex part of the brain. And in doing that, you have to get present. Like when someone asks you a question, especially if it's a random, not random, but like a question that you may not normally hear, it's almost like a pattern interrupt. It's a little bit of like a... (laughs) Yeah. Of like, wait, what? Right. And it causes you to get present in that moment. Cause when you're hijacked, you're not present. You're running and operating out of the five-year-olds. Yeah. And the amygdala is where you have that memory bank, the the stored memory bank feeling. So that's where that five-year-old is like stored back there. And if you don't stop and ask a question, to bring it into the neocortex, you stay back there in the amygdala memories, which are the triggered parts of you. Exactly. Think of the amygdala as the child you and the neocortex as the adult you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it engages that neocortex to answer the question. So give yourself the moment to answer because you're getting present and it helps to diminish that. I remember in talking about questions, there are ways to ask yourself questions as well. I used to ask myself why questions all the time. Why am I doing this? Why am I such a failure? 
why, 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 why? Like I would ask myself why questions all the time. Yeah. And I didn't realize how accusatory that was towards myself. And in asking why questions as well to other people, like why questions to my husband or to friends or business partners, how accusatory that felt and how it really didn't keep me or them open. And one of the goals in asking yourself or other people questions is to keep them open, to keep their hearts open, to keep their heads open. Because think about the last time you guys were asked, well, why did you do that? How did that make you feel? Did you, did you want to snap back at them? It probably triggered you. And you're like, well, let me tell you why. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right. So let's talk a little bit about how to ask questions of yourself and others that are truly going to get to the heart of it. Yeah. So why questions trigger the amygdala for the very reason that you're offering up right now and sharing it's because they are accusatory. And if you're already hijacked, you're already in (laughs) an emotionally like unstable place, let's say, Mm -hmm. and, or unhealthy might be a better word. So to actually deregulated it is. Yes. So you don't want to keep enhancing that you want to diminish that. So you want to ask what and how questions, because those are those questions that have you be more present. The reason why we go to why questions initially is because often the question comes up in that why form. Why am I doing this? Why does this keep happening? Why is he doing that? Why did he say that? Why does she do that? Why am I? So they initially come up as a why question. It's more natural for that human part of us to go to that why place. So what you need to do is it's, and it takes practice to be able to shift a why question into a what or a how question. So I had offered up for the seek information question that I love is what's going on for me right now. That could be, why am I so hijacked right now? Or why am I so upset right now? Take that. Why am I so upset and flip it into what's going on for me right now? I feel, I don't know if you feel this, but there's this like, okay, I can like actually answer this. There's like a release that happens instead of this, like, why you? It feels, it feels more gentle. It feels more open. It feels more compassionate. It's based on curiosity versus Mm -hmm. judgment. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I was going to offer up too. I remember one time talking to you about this thing that my husband did that like really hurt my feelings. And I'd come back from doing a work thing and I work really hard to support my family. And I'd been gone all morning and he had just been like super working hard on other things at home and frustrated. And I came home and he was irritated that I got home later than I thought I was going to get home. And so he kind of snapped at me. And I, I snapped back because I was triggered. Why was I triggered? Because my trigger is you're bad. You're a bad wife. You're a bad mom. You weren't home this morning. You're bad, 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 bad. And so you're like, the great question would have been, what was your intention in saying that? Yeah. What, what was your intention instead of why did you say that? Right? Like how often do we go into, why would you say that? Or why did you say that? Instead, just like SOS, stop, take a breath. What was your intention in saying that? That would have diffused a bomb in that situation because it would have made him stop. 
Yes. And think about, oh my gosh, I didn't intend to hurt you because that's never his intention. And so often in communication, whether it's in leadership or in relationship, like we're not trying to piss each other off. No, we just communicate differently. We don't understand each other. It's, it's like two different species trying to work together and communicate. And if we could just stop oxygenate and then seek information in a way that doesn't put people's defenses up, we would get so much farther along. And I, I know you have this beautiful communication solution and you're really fantastic at working, not only with couples, for example, you were just at the couples retreat in Costa Rica and so much richness happened there, but also with leadership and with leaders. And I work a lot in leadership and a lot of the people that you work with are in, in leadership. And there's a lot of communication issues, struggles, challenges in that area. And I I know you're going to teach a workshop on like, Hey, how to coach and communicate with with people and what's been your experience in business with leadership and helping people to communicate and some of the biggest struggles that you've seen in communication in these areas. Yeah, it goes back to what you were saying. So the biggest issue is we think <laughs> we think that people are intentionally saying something or doing something to harm or hurt us. And not like we're consciously thinking this. So if I could first answer, like go back to that example between you and your husband and like 99.9% of the time, we're not out for each other as human beings, but we react as though we are. And that goes back to that whole, the way that we perceive things and it creates this drama and conflict. So he was upset because you weren't home at the time you were said you were going to be home and he had other things he had to do, but couldn't do because he was taking care of the kids. So he took on the victim. He was playing the victim (laughs) and made you the villain. So then you come in and he's like, why did you take so long? Whatever his question was, right? And then you immediately become the villain. Even he was like casting you as the villain. You actually become the villain. <laughs> like, why did you ask me that? And then you feel victimized by him though, which causes yeah. you to be the villain. And so it's like this yeah. back and forth, just victim, villain, victim, villain, like <laughs> speed of light. When really basking the like, what was your intention? If we can just come, I would, this is like, this would be amazing. This is my Jeez. intention. Yeah. For people is that if we could, as human beings know that there is an ill will most of the time, yeah. know that there isn't that ill will and just get curious instead of like hijack and step into, and that's why this healing work is so important. So coming back to your question around business and communication and leadership, all business is leadership. Like whether you are actually a leader of a team or not, any business, regardless of the industry, you are a leader, even if it's yourself, because you are leading yourself and you are leading your customers or your clients or your patients or your guests. Leadership is influence. So if you have a business, you have to have some influence to have customers. Exactly. And if you think about what makes 
business successful or not, it does come down to communication. And all communication is, is coaching. (laughs) I see it as that is like, really, we're all coaches. And if we could approach communication from that way in our leadership, oh my goodness, that would be like, the significant difference of you having a truly successful business and just life period or not. And the reason why I say it's all coaching is because coaching is founded upon keeping conversations open and willing to continue moving forward in the conversation. You mentioned that earlier and to allow yourself and someone else to be open and willing to keep moving forward in the communication you have to be able to ask the right questions to be the leader and guide the conversation to where it needs to go yeah. so what i started finding especially early on in my career is that i was doing a lot of leadership like ceo type training i was working with corporations and their managers mm-hmm. to help them manage better their teams and be better leaders yeah. and they would talk about coaching and i would be like okay so you're coaching your teams and then they would it got to the point where i was like wait a minute this word is like loosely used for many things, coaching. Yes, yes. <laughs> so it's like, wait, tell me what you mean by coaching. Like, it's what's not telling that? people what to do? That's not coaching. No. And that's what's like, wait, because the way you're explaining it does not sound like coaching. So tell me what you mean by coaching. Like, what does that actually look like? And it really truly came down to, yeah, they were telling people that's not coaching, that's not leading that or guiding that's just that's managing more so than anything so i started realizing like okay the coaching formula that i had been using on my clients is exactly what leaders need for their communication for their teams for their clients for their sales all of it to be able to increase and then that's where i started sharing my coaching formula that i've used on my clients for two decades now to managers, leaders, anyone who's in business. Yeah. Having the the skills to communicate effectively, especially in leadership. And I, I'm not perfect at this. I haven't been perfect at it. I've learned so much over the last few years and I, I give myself credit coming into business and leadership, never really having that experience. So if you're listening and you're like, man, I've done it all wrong. Hey, don't judge yourself. Don't shame yourself. I think we all do the best that we can do with what we know, but when we know better, we can do better. And so her communication solution, and you do have a, is it a five-week course on the communication solution? Where can they get their hands on that? It's the communicationsolution.net. That's essentially where, where you can get it. It's brilliant. And if you are a leader, or even if you just want to be a better communicator with your kids, with your spouse, with your family members, friends, anybody to have open and honest communication so that you can seek that information and seek understanding and have that closeness because without good communication, you really don't have vulnerability. You don't have authenticity. You don't have closeness. And if you don't have those things, you really don't have trust in relationship and trust is everything in relationship, not only your interpersonal relationships, but 
with clients and with customers and consumer trust and trust in general is at an all-time low. And it's because of the last few years that we've been through. Like people have been through so much over the last few years. So improving your communication is one of those things that's going to up-level your life, but it's also going to tremendously up-level your business. So I feel like we just started talking like 10 minutes ago and I'm like, how does this time go by so quickly? This is really, really crazy. I was just looking over at the time and I was like, oh my gosh, oh gosh. Like, there's so much more that we could talk about. I'm sure you'll be back on the podcast, yes. but I want you guys to get connected to Alejandra. If you have the opportunity to coach with her, your life will be blessed. You can follow her on Instagram at the baller coach and where else should they connect with you? That Instagram is truly the best. And then my website is the ballercoach.com. That's um, right. Yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> theballercoach.com and yeah, we hope you've taken some, some nuggets from this conversation that you can start applying into your life. Even if it's just the way that you ask questions or the SOS stop oxygenate and seek information and understanding that when you're hijacked those 18 minutes, so, so many rich little nuggets in here today that honestly, each one of them could be unpacked for an hour and so I invite you to continue to seek understanding and seek learning and, and go and follow this woman. Anything that she's doing, you want to be a part of. And I'm so excited. Specifically, we had this conversation a month or two ago about communication and coaching and leadership. And I deal with and work with a lot of leaders and there's breakdown in organizations and breakdown in business and breakdown in relationships. And so she's going to be doing a really incredible workshop on basically how to coach your team and lead and communicate. And if this is an area that you struggle in you, which I think pretty much everyone can be like, yeah, yes. I'm like everybody. Yes. Yeah. That's me. And also leadership. You're a leader in your home. You're a leader with your children. Like we all need better tools to show up as a leader, communicate and to coach those in our life. So she's going to be teaching that workshop out of line. And I'm so excited about that too. Um, but as we wrap this up, friend, there's one question I always ask at the end of the podcast. Okay. And hopefully this isn't a surprise question. <laughs> it's not a trick question. Don't worry. But I really have a desire to help people to live the good life. And that's something that I am always seeking out. And I, I want that richness and that joy and that peace and that success and freedom and choices and like all of those things I want in my life. And so the good life means something different to everyone. And I'm just curious, how would you define living the good life? Oh my goodness. Okay. So defining the good life to me means that you're coming from your, what I call the being part of yourself. There's the human and there's the being, we kind of referenced that today, but that being part of yourself is that direct link to where you and God commune and where you are your truest, most authentic self. There's no hijacks. There's no perceived conflicts. There's just you being who God intended you to be and seeing yourself through his eyes. And for me, that's the good life because no matter what the circumstance is externally, no matter how many relationship issues or things going on or health issues or money issues or whatever it may be, it doesn't matter because internally there is such a wholeness, aliveness, and a happiness that no one 
or nothing can take from you because you are fully relating to yourself really from your true self, your being. That's the good life to me. Yes. That sounds like peace. Yeah. Knowing. Oh, good word. knowing. Knowing. Yes. I wrote that down during our conversation that just to wrap this up, as you talked about neutrality yeah. in the beginning. And when you talked about neutrality, the word that came to my mind is that when you're in this neut- neutral space, you, no matter what's going on around you, the storm, the conflict, the difficulties, like it is possible to be in a space of neutrality. And the space of neutrality is to me that space of knowing. It's just a knowing inside of you. And when you are in connection with the being part of you, you have that knowing. So thank you so much for this beautiful time that we've spent together. I'll put in the show notes, how to connect with Alejandra and how to be there with us in January. Have a beautiful day, you guys. And thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Alejandra. Thank you. Thanks for listening into the podcast today. If you loved it, a review rating and share on social would be epic and helps in spreading the word. Everything I create is in the hopes of helping you advance your life, energy, and business. If you're looking for the next level of growth and a conference to light 2023 on fire, mark your calendars and grab your ticket to Align Limitless, January 19th through 21st on the beautiful waterfront of Tampa Bay, Florida. It's your one-stop shop for growth, development, expert advice, and so much more. You've never seen anything like it, and I hope to see you there. Until next time, promise me this, you'll keep living life to the fullest and working towards your very own good life. Aloha.